0: Hello, this is Harrison Kim, and you're listening to Working with People by PapeStem. The Working with People podcast is for executives, managers, and people leaders. We bring people experts together to provide you with relevant content on how to think about and manage your most important asset, your talent. We have Mo and Fran here with us today. How are you two? Great
1: doing really well. Thanks for having us.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Where are you to calling in
2: from this morning? Not this morning, this Friday. <laughs> this Friday I am in sunny Southern California, Long Beach. So the southernmost city in LA County. I think it's like 80 degrees today. Nice. Mm. Nice. Yeah. How about you, friend?
1: I am in from unusually sunny San Francisco today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome, awesome. So today we're going to be talking about the importance of inclusion, diversity, working remote and biases and all these really, really important things that have been really, really highlighted over the last you know, 18 months, especially, right? Uh, just given the world that we're living in. But before I go into my questions, tell us a little bit more about you know, what you two are up to and who you are.
2: Yeah, sure. I can I can start. So um, Mo here as your founding partner of GoodWorks Consulting. If I were to just describe the type of work that we do, it's a number of things. One, we are very invested in human development. And so looking at HR strategies, uh, really understanding how we encourage employee engagement, alignment, motivation. If that's not there, what do we do? Um, executive coaching is um, a second vertical of ours, so just supporting leaders and in, in their, their growth. And with DEI at Center, so diversity, equity, and inclusion is really underlying everything that we do. So when Fran and I were thinking of how we even brand and frame the work we do, um, it's really important for us that diversity, equity, and inclusion doesn't feel like this a la carte kind of mm. separate activity. It's just built into the full talent life cycle. Everything from the moment you as a company are interacting with. A particular candidate to exit and even alumni, it should just be part of the DNA. Fran, did you want to add, did I miss anything on offerings you wanted to bring up?
1: No, no, I think that's fine. I think that was a great overview. The other work that we do is a lot of learning development and leadership development uh, work, as well as executive search with a lens for um, garnering a diverse candidate slate for critical roles within organizations. Gotcha. Well said.
0: Awesome, awesome. All right, let's start. Uh, can you speak a little bit to the importance of inclusion in the workplace first, um, and how organizations can prioritize that, especially in the remote work environment? Any thoughts there?
2: Yeah. So I think you know t- two things on the importance of inclusion. I think we all feel this viscerally. Like, like if you just talk about human needs, we want to belong. We want to feel secure. Um, And so I think it's in some ways self-evident that inclusion matters. When you don't feel like you're a part of a larger kind of um, community, you you disengage. And then when it comes to maybe just overlaying the, the moment that we're in of having to work remotely or for some of us in hybrid environments, it's kind of put a stress on the topic of inclusion because I think a lot of us, had organic ways that we were engaging with our organizations made us feel inclusive. The water cooler talks, the affinity groups, the happy hours, you know, intentional like one-on-ones with your your manager in person. And now that's all gone, right? Or there's some new way we've had to reimagine what those moments could feel like. And it's just taken a lot of intention and foresight and a little bit of courage, to be honest, because I think a lot of us are figuring it out and don't know what's on the other end of some of these tactics we're rolling out and trying to create a uh, inclusive remote environment or hybrid environment. Um, but I'm excited to talk more about what that looks like.
1: Yeah, the other thing that I would say is just um, given the great resignation that we're experiencing right now, belonging and inclusion has become so important as a part of Uh, how we recruit and then onboard folks. So we are now onboarding to organizations in a remote setting. And and frankly, very few organizations had figured that out prior to the pandemic. And so because it is a candidate's market right now, folks are extremely discerning, um, more so now than they have been in the past about what organizations they join and the sense, the extent to which they can feel a sense of, this is a place I can belong. And this is a place where my manager in the first 30, 60, and 90 days is going to be invested in me feeling like I have a home here. And they can opt out pretty easily because the market supports that right now. So I think that inclusion and belonging as we're onboarding whole new groups of people to our organizations is more critical than perhaps ever before.
2: I think you can extend that to people who are currently in organizations and are so ready to leave because they're realizing, like, I'm exhausted. This this whole (laughs) COVID environment has just put a burden on my psyche or my family. And so I do think it's not only investing in what Fran's talking about around recruiting, onboarding, what that experience is going to look like, but what are managers doing To ensure that people feel engaged, people feel excited to remain at the the organization despite this new way of having to operate. And so there's even a retention kind of strategy around doing this work in a hybrid or remote workforce that's worth investing in.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, you know, kind of funny that you talked about, you know, Fran, you talked about onboarding. I feel like a lot of companies actually didn't even hadn't even figured that out Uh (laughs) (laughs) pre-COVID now it's like another Mm -hmm. layer of difficulties right um and and, and mo when you were talking about you know when people you know being vulnerable and kind of being open and transparent about hey like we're still trying to figure this thing out right that or those organic moments i think that's like a really good point because the pandemic happened and then the the remote work became a a thing for everybody uh, or for a lot of organizations and you know, we were doing, like, happy hours, virt- virtual, like, events, and all these things, and we thought we had figured it out, and now yeah. we're hearing from people, like, no, no, I do not want to go to another virtual yes. happy hour, where <laughs> grabbing two beers by myself, <laughs> basically, mm-hmm. and just getting tipsy, right? Um, yes. Yeah, just gotta <laughs> figure it out, yeah.
2: But you know what, Harrison, that's a really good example, And and this sounds so, so simple, but I think if there are ways that organizations can, like, close the, the, the feedback loop time. So mm. you try it out, do the happy hours, and I hope that you've got some kind of employee task force, some kind of group that's coming back to you and says, ah, yeah, we don't need to do that again. In fact, it would be more helpful to do whatever the thing is, right? But I just think it's gotten really, it's always been important, but even more so to have a your ear to the ground on employees and how they're feeling, at any given time quickly in this environment. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I agree.
0: So so my second question is around uh, some of the challenges, right? Um, So we've already talked about the difficulty and the lack of organic moments, right? Which make it really, really critical um, to think about this and the market dynamics that Fran, that you were mentioning. Um, Anything else that comes to your mind in terms of some of the common challenges that come along with inclusion and belonging in the remote environment?
2: Fran and I were having a little bit of a, I wouldn't even say a debate, but um a discussion right be- before this, just kind of thinking through some of the things we expected you to want to talk through. And Fran shared a really surprising article for, for me because of my my lived experience, where it just essentially said women of women of color in a in a survey, I think this was a New York Times article, right, Fran. Um, okay. They Prefer the remote work environment because the type of microaggressions, the you know, touching hair, um, feelings of just general safety and like in, in in-person mm. interactions, that's all removed in this remote environment. Interesting. Right. But you know, what came to mind is like that totally makes sense to me, but my concern in this remote hybrid world for everyone, but particularly communities that are already marginalized in some way for a range of reasons, is we know that when you work in remote environments, development opportunities and opportunities for promotion, you're just less likely (laughs) to have the same kind of opportunities as the folks who are engaging in person. And so I think there's there's just so much work to be done around managing and respecting that belonging to that these communities looks like a remote environment. So what does that then mean in terms of equity when we talk about development, growth, promotion? That's a huge challenge that I, that, uh, I don't have the answers, but it's certainly something we should be thinking about.
1: Well, I think it's uh, some of the things that we're hearing um, in the work that we do is how much being physically distant has allowed for folks to um, be disconnected from opportunity. So um, you know, we hear anecdotes like woman identifying person, a mother being passed over for global assignment or stretch opportunity because the manager had made assumptions around ability to handle that. Given this, this mother is also cutting carrots during zoom calls to feed her kids, because now we've got this, you know, kids at home managing work, you know, my desk might be directly next to the playpen, whatever it may be. And so there's a, there's a lot of assumptions that go into ability to contribute Uh, in a remote environment. And if my tendency is to spend my Zoom, my limited Zoom time and my limited Zoom energy with people that are a lot like myself as a manager, and I'm a manager who is white, maybe male presenting, maybe straight, I might therefore only be uh, extending those stretch opportunities, those growth opportunities to folks that I'm spending the most time with on Zoom.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it is something that you know, I thought about it before as well, where it's like, okay, this remote work environment gives that flexibility to the people who need it, whether it's working mothers or whatever it may be, right, and then, but the other flip side is, you know, if, if in this hybrid work environment, you're going to have the impact of FaceTime, I mean, right, like that, that personal connection that you're going to be able to more easily build in person versus over Zoom, and yeah you know, that's got to create and ex- extend the gap, right? I, I assume that's probably what's you know what's either already happening, and we don't see it exactly yet or we're going to see a pretty significant amount of that you know coming up pretty soon. Um so yeah, I absolutely think that's a challenge that people should be thinking about for sure,
2: yeah, in some ways, I just feel like to to your point, Harrison, because that's the dynamic, you almost have to over invest in what it mm-hmm. looks like to support your remote workforce because we we know we know how to play the in-person game <laughs> I think there's just extra attention in a range of ways that we certainly can talk about of how we really attend to the remote worker
0: yeah yeah w- why don't we actually just talk a few about those like um, what are some of the ways like tactical things that you've seen in order to really take care of your remote work environments to make sure that you can maximize equity ma- ma-
1: maximize opportunities and any thoughts there? The list is long. Um, we can talk about a few. Um, yeah. I mean, w- one thing that is just extremely tactical is, is really just taking inventory of your time, um, taking inventory of um, your, the time you spend relative to the people on your team. Um, and it it really is like a calendar audit. Like, am I, am I um, mm. allocating my time equitably across the varying demographics of folks on my team? Um, And doing the same thing for opportunities. Am I unwittingly overlooking um, folks on my team for unique opportunities uh, without realizing it? And so that exercise, and there's, there's ways, you know, you can make this easier on yourself, but that exercise of time matters. um, And with whom I'm spending, it really matters.
2: Something else that I think maybe thematically Fran and I kind of landed on is there's very much... Uh, even the playing field kind of attitude you've got, or like ethos you have to have around this new normal. So Mm -hmm. for example, something that I've seen a lot of success with for clients, but it's a bit of an inconvenience is if it's a hybrid workforce where you've got folks who a portion of that population are gonna be in the office and a portion are gonna work from home. When we're meeting, we're all on Zoom. And I know we might be in the same room, but you know what happens when you've got like one person on conference call and the rest of them are in the room, you're lost. You're just lost in the conversation. So there's also just ways of just um, the day-to-day interaction where you've got to make it feel like we're all having an equal experience in the company. Right, Mm.
0: right. I really like that. It's it's, it's a small specific process, but I think that that makes a lot of sense. yeah i I always you know talk with my you know partners and friends where it's like you know hybrid is actually the most difficult one like if everyone's remote yeah or if everyone's in person i think that's like okay like we've got it right uh hybrid i think is like requires that extra attention extra coordination extra you know empathy and all that so totally
2: well Um, and mm tone from the top too fran fran had a really good anecdote. i'd love for him to share about um it, it one, one of our clients that they're just like they even in this hybrid or mm-hmm. remote environment they all were like wearing it like a badge when they they come in office and i i do think they're you want to share mm-hmm. that story cuz i think there's yeah. a lesson here yeah i i
1: think it's if organizations are making the decision to either be remote or hybrid or in person what have you that um the uh, role modeling that leadership sets upon making that decision is critically important. So the organization that Mo's talking about was a hybrid organization, mostly remote though, but the leadership team was really proud of the amount of time they were spending in the office, which is is great, like that might work effectively for them, but also it cascades a message wittingly or unwittingly um, uh, to the population about what is valued. Right. Um, and so if the majority of your workforce is remote and the leadership is in person, what you're going to encounter is folks that feel driven to show up in person and get that face time because, as I meant, like, as we were talking about those stretch opportunities, those promotions, those what have you, um, go to folks that we spend time with because it's recency bias. Um, and so, um, and yet arriving in person, given this context, can be challenging for folks based on their own context of privilege and power. So like, you know, folks with, without, um, that don't have childcare needs and can easily get to the office, folks Mm -hmm. that don't have um, commute challenges and can easily get to the office, folks that don't have cost challenges and can easily get to the office are going to get that face time um, with folks and then potentially um, disproportionately be rewarded for showing up. Right, right. In yeah, that role physical modeling, way.
0: Yeah, I think the re- re- role modeling and calling that out is really, really critical here for sure. Um, you know, you can, and I'm kind of like, a, I, I'm an offender on this myself. You know, I talk about, you know, making sure that people our team has, you know, work-life balance, but I'm like the hardest working one, like always trying to like stay sane. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know? So um, it absolutely makes sense. The role modeling is really important. And I love actually, Fran, your example, especially the first one you gave around the calendar audit. That's really cool. I've never thought about that, but it's so true, right? Um, you're going to have those personal biases and, you know, just exposure effect of, you know, if you're spending 20 hours a week with this one person versus two, right? Um, if anyone's listening from Google calendar product team, it's something to think about. <laughs>
1: <They are. laughs>
0: awesome. So I know we're running out of time here, but one other thing, you know, from, you know, you, you mentioned role modeling, right, especially for the leaders in this environment, when, when we talk about inclusion and belonging, anything else that the leaders and managers should be thinking about when promoting you know, inclusion and, and diversity and, and belonging um, outside of, you know, role modeling, anything else that they should be thinking about?
1: we were also talking with an organization recently that had uh, studied their workforce and their level of engagement to some extent. And one of the things that they found is like the the biggest driver of engagement for this organization was um, uh, a, a response to one of the survey items that was effectively like my manager checks in with me and asks me how I'm doing. Just like very simply put in very human terms, how are you doing? Um, and that was a big driver of engagement. And yet the least frequent activity that was occurring in the organization was the manager <laughs> asking, how are you doing? And I think that in in this, in, this, in this global pandemic, also with the murder of George Floyd and all of the um, uh, sort of civil and social unrest that we've experienced over the past couple of years, folks aren't doing as well as they might have um, historically for some folks or might never have been doing well yes. for other folks. And so getting curious about the human lived experience of your people by way of um, checking in is really important. Like manager check-ins, sure, should be about, you know, delivering against milestones, um, removing roadblocks, reducing risk, but they should also be about how are you doing? Um, and that should be a standing agenda item as leaders are checking in with their people
2: yeah and maybe it's a same same general theme but maybe at the organizational level I think there's just a lot more room for us to pulse engagement right like you've got to know where we've got issues and why and you've got to know it a bit more frequently than I think we could just kind of gauge when you could physically feel the the tone of the organization so it's just it's Listening. <laughs> honestly, listening to your people is key. And I think just offering up some vulnerability so people will give you the real answer right. as a leader is really, really important because you can ask the question now if they're going to answer it honestly it has a lot to do with how you're modeling honesty. Yep. And how
1: you're transparent about what you're finding and your own shortcomings. Yes. Yeah. So being willing to as a leadership mm-hmm. body share, this is what we're hearing. This is what we're not doing well. Um, and thank you for letting us know. And here's where we're headed to
2: address it. Yes. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Vulnerability I think goes a long way. Uh, and I think it's one of the least practiced behaviors for leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, but something that is extremely powerful for sure. Awesome. I mean, those are all the kind of the big questions that I had. I know there was a there was a few that I wanted to get through, but it looks like we're going to be running out of time, but this was extremely, extremely helpful. Where can the audience find you and your thought leadership?
1: You can uh, certainly find us on our website, uh, which includes our blog. It is www.goodworks.consulting. Um, and you can read some of our articles in TechCrunch, Business Insider, few other sources as well.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to Working With People by Pave Step. Mo and friend, thank you so much for your time. I absolutely enjoyed this conversation. Uh, we'll talk soon. Love thanks to. so much, thanks, Harrison. Thanks, Harrison.
1: This was great. Take good care.